guys, welcome to the Collection Podcast, a show that's designated to collecting and highlighting the stories and journeys of local entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Nanoi Kane. Be sure to check out the show notes for our, our show summary on what this episode's all about. I hope you guys enjoy the show. Thanks. But thank you so much yeah. for being willing to come on and share your story. It's a, but, it's a journey. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so if, I guess if you want to start there, um, about how you guys wanted to start this, everything that it... So, it goes way, way back. Oh, for yeah? Me, like, I mean, super far back. So, I had my first baby at 16. Uh-huh. So, my mom then, of course, they were still super young. My mom's an archaeologist. Oh, wow. And I had a really young brother, so she was like, I'm not babysitting the baby. I see. Um, you're going to have to figure it out. It's yeah. expensive. It's this, it's that, like... And then things happened, and I ended up with my first baby when I was 16. And my mom was like, okay, pulled her out of school. Like, this is um, basically, back then it was like, okay, you're a role model for these young girls. I was helping them pitch. So oh. I was teaching, like, younger generation, showing them certain things. And um, my mom's like, yeah, don't want that happening. So nobody knew I was pregnant, really. They wow. pulled me out of school, homeschool. Wow. And um, my mom started running for city council. Oh, wow. So nobody knew I had a baby. But then when we went to the Kailua Parade, uh, my son was four months at the time, and we walked the parade, and they were like, oh, my gosh, I give your mom credit. She's unreal, another baby. <gasps> and then one of my aunties who knew, they were like, no, that's Krim's baby. Oh, wow. So it was crazy. And then my mom's like, okay, time, baby's four months now, figure it out, what are we going to do? Luckily for me, like I tell everybody, I was born under a poor Kenny Kenny tree, literally. Really? Like that's how it was. Well, no, my mom, <gasps> um, I was born on a Saturday. And back then at Castle Medical Center, if you were born on a weekend, there wasn't that much staff and doctors. Oh, you I could see. Leave. Oh, wow. So my mom had me within two hours. She came, brought me home. Wow. So, and my mom still had to pick flowers. So at the time, my grandma had cancer. And she, um, she used to air lay and graft her own poor Kenny Kenny trees. So wow. We still have them. The trees are like at least 100 years old now. So we have old trees. That is cool. I call them, my kids call them my grandma. Yeah. Um, anyway, so she had cancer and... She was one of the first laymakers on island that's known wow. for Auntie um, Bella's lace stand. That's the very first lace stand. Wow. So my grandma used to sell lace to them for 50 cents. 50 and cents. it was like 50 cents, but she never, ever sold anything. She gave it away. Wow. So it, she was like, my dad raised us that way, too. It's like, oh, it came from your house. It's free. Mm-hmm. So my grandma used to make lace. And her lace were um, 88 flowers. So they were super long. They wow. call them holoku style lasers. So she made 88. And um, when she got sick with cancer, my mom took over. And my mom is her in-law, so my mom became second-generation laymaker. Well, technically for my family, but, I mean, my grandma's family has always made lay. And um, so we picked flowers every other day. And my mom used to make anywhere from 60 lace to 100, and back then it was so wow. abundant. I mean, it's not like that now. Mm-hmm. It's way, way, way less, but she used to make lace all day long. Wow. I mean, we just had, like, foil pants everywhere in the house. We just lays after lays, and my, we supplied Auntie Bella's lace time because wow. my grandma did. So we did that for the longest time, and then my mom decided after I had my baby, and she started getting, she doesn't like to be called an activist, but she started falling into that category, and um, she ended up going back to work as an archaeologist. So she was, like, taking orders still yet for flowers, wow. so how it started for me. She was like, okay, make lace. And then it was like, okay, give it to auntie, give it to uncle. And I'm oh. all like, oh, my gosh. I'm like here all day making lays. Yeah. And give it to auntie and give it to uncle. And then 
one of my uncles, um, he passed away not too long ago, but he's the real reason I, I do flowers, oh. honestly. He seen potential in what I did, and he was like, okay, babe, um, I need you to make me eight lays for Friday. Uncle's going to pick it up. And so my Uncle Alfred Valaros, love him to death. Like I'll still forever remember him because everything he did. So he would... Um, he would come off of work. He was a correctionals um, officer, and he would come up and pick up lace for me. And wow. he actually was working at Commitment Schools, too, oh, wow. with the softball program. So he, um, the lace actually were for there. So oh, he'd wow. pick them up, and he'd give them to the office. Oh, wow. Not because they ordered it. Just yeah. because he was like, okay, hey, she got a young baby. Let me oh, help her. Oh, I see. I so see. I started making lace, and then he started giving me envelopes. And one day my mom saw it, and she was like, Uncle Alfred better not be giving you money. And then he was like, no, the girl worked hard. I'm going to give it to her. This is a thank you. And then after, he, my mom started selling the lays at $5. So from 50 cents, it went to 5 yeah. And um, my uncle's like, no, that's too little bit. Let's go 8 So I would get $80 every week from him. So it started off with that at 16 years old. Wow. And then it became word of mouth. And then little did I know, the whole office started ordering from him. Wow. Like, Babe, you can do 5 here. You can do, like, it was just constant. And then um, Auntie Bella's lay stand. So... I would make for her on the off days, and that became a really big thing. So I started that way. And then um, it just, we used to supply a lot of people with tropicals. My mom and dad forever grew Mm -hmm. tropicals. So we would supply a lot of people who would make, like, the for the lobbies and other florists. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, other known florists, too. They would come, and they would pick up, and so we always did that. And then May Day came around, and everybody, every school wanted. So they would come with trucks. Oh wow! My dad would just pick everything and load it up in their trucks and go. And then I was like, "Wow, everybody is just taking all the flowers." My dad's like, "No, it's good. Cut back, cut back. Mm Right? It cleans the overblooms, whatever." So um, we started doing that, and then my auntie, who became family, so there's my auntie Faye Lai. She passed away not too long ago, a few years back, and then my auntie Betty Ikihara. She's still alive. And um, she makes traditional style hakule. Mm. So she used to show me how to make those, and they're just so time-consuming. And nobody appreciates it anymore. Yeah. So I refuse to make that style mm. just because, I mean, how would you price it, you know? <laughs> so I, And it's hard because I want to do so cheap that we stopped doing it. But I had aunties like that, and then my auntie Cheryl McConnell, she owned Kylo Flores for a while. And so she's one of my mom's best friends. And... She's actually the one who showed me how to make funeral sprays. So wow. one day she had these funerals and we picked tropical. So she's like, I'm going to make them at your house. Like, I'm going to show you how to do oh, stuff. Oh, cool. And I was like, okay. So I started making it her way. Mm-hmm. And then my Auntie Faley, she did the same thing. So she'd pick up flowers from us too. And she had a different style, which was so cool. Is they all had different styles. And she'd come and she'd show me certain things. And then Auntie Betty, um, she used to... She used to dress up the lobbies with flowers. Oh, like wow. She wanted the tall tropicals, so we'd pick them from her. She was this cute, tiny little lady, and um, she would pick up all these big flowers and make pieces. So she would show me. So I had little tips from everybody, and then I started doing my own thing. And, of course, you don't do that, right? You stick with, with the way you're taught, uh-huh, and uh-huh. you don't venture out Yeah. That. So I started venturing out, and they were like, oh, gosh, what is she doing? And then, then I started getting my own word-of-mouth people, and it just continued and continued. And it actually gave my kids a life. So I had the two boys, and they started doing flowers, and they love flowers. So they would pick for me. They would run outside. They would try to make their own little bouquets. And, um, you know, it was a lot of trial and error with them, but it was good. So that's how I started. Wow. I had to do flowers. Flowers has always been our thing. Yeah. 
And it's not what I wanted to do. It's just what made sense. Yeah. So in order to be in Hawaii, where everything is expensive, we continue with that. Wow. And um, so um, my dad always did kalo. That was our family's thing. And we started making making our own pa'iai um, years ago. I mean, for as our family. Yeah. I mean, forever. But giving it out to people. We started doing it maybe 15 years ago. Wow. So my dad did it because one of our aunties had cancer. Oh. And um, she couldn't keep nothing down. Oh. So my dad was like, okay, we're going to make it healthy and we're going to do it this way. So we started making pa'iai, not the traditional way. Oh, yeah. My dad was um, not against it. He, he felt like traditional from his dad's point of view was you make it for your family. And um, if you make too much pa'iai, you end up thinning it out and you thin yourself out. And then oh. with that comes bacteria. And, you know, so my dad started seeing it that way. And he's like, okay, if we're going to be supplying the elderly, we're going to be supplying cancer patients, cannot be dirty, cannot be like that. Oh, you cannot, I see. You cannot overexert yourself. And before you know it, your hands are all sweaty. And my I dad's see. whole thing is too much hands in the bowl make everything spoil. Mm-hmm. So we started um, making it with a machine. So we... Um, we would do that weekly, and we'd be just giving out ice cream gallon buckets wow. constantly. So for years, we did that to the point where I was like, hey, Dad, if we keep doing this for everybody else, it was to the point where we didn't have it home. Oh, I because see. Because we're giving it to everybody, word of mouth, right? So-and-so's anti-sick. I mean, everybody's I sick. see. So we started giving to this grandma, this papa, and to this day, it still is like that. So um, we continued doing it, and it was just, it was crazy. So... I told my dad, so let's let's do a business side, Dad. We'll cut the collar in half. Say we do 500 pounds a week. Okay, 250 you can give away. And 250 let's just sell to the community. You know, people want to eat it. Yeah. So let's start doing that. So, um, yeah, so that's how the Pai side started. And then we just got, we just blew up. Instagram is, it's like the best asset, free uh-huh, asset. Uh-huh. So Instagram started going word of mouth, shares, likes, yeah. and then all of a sudden we started getting DMs for wow. 10 pounds, but yeah, 20 pounds, and then then things got real because people started to know who we were. Oh. And we would get like random people like, oh, is it real Pai? Like, what's real Pai? You know, that's my thing. As a Hawaiian person, if a Hawaiian made it, it's obviously Pai, no matter how it is, right? And then, no, we get corrected. It's like, oh, no, it's Mikini Eye. Like, they try to... Tell us it, it's grinded, point. You know, I oh. get it, we get it, but it is what it is. That's what we labeled it, you know. So people would come at us, and we're non confrontational. Yeah. So it was like, okay, just let them say what they're going to say. Yeah. So I had more slack from Hawaiian people than I did from anybody else. Interesting. And um, it just became word of mouth, and then everybody wanted to come to the farm. So our farm, we have a, we have a ton of animals. And um, our place became the place where people couldn't keep their animals. They brought it oh, to us. Oh, I see. So it's, we have tortoises. We had oh. horses. We had ducks. We had chickens. We had everything you possibly could think of yeah. besides safari animals in our place. And um, we looked around for places. You know, we went to try to get um, Malam alone. We went to try to talk to a bunch of investors. Yeah. And it was just not working. Uh-huh. The amount of money they were going to give just wasn't enough. And the payback that they wanted was too much. Oh, okay. And then um, every loan fell through because they wanted to see my full business plan. Oh. But my whole thing was I didn't want to share my entire yeah. business plan because I don't know them. Yeah. You give your ideas and then they run with yeah. it. Or they share, oh, this person has a really good idea. Let me go. And you don't know who else tell they're telling. Niece, yeah. Sir. So... And um, we finally got in touch with Alexander and Baldwin. I know a lot of people 
don't think the greatest of them. Um, I can't say the same just because it gave us an opportunity. Mm-hmm. So finally, she brought us to here. And Wait, she's like, when was okay. that? Like about what year? Uh, two years ago. So oh, okay. we just made two years. Oh, here. okay, cool. So she brought us to this location um, that we're at now, which is an old building that I just love. We um, overhauled it all by ourselves. We wow. did our thing and we're like, hey, are we really going to do this? So my husband's like, can we do this? And this is without a loan. So I was like, you know what? Let's just try it. If we fall, we fall. At least, you know, we tried. So because I would, I would really, you know, it wouldn't be good for me if we didn't try it. Yeah. I'd be wondering the whole time, yeah. can we do it? But so, how are you like, do you have to motivate yourself and like self like positive self-talk to yourself like okay we can do this or you just kind of knew like yep it's we're gonna try and whatever happens happens yeah. well the thing is we did so many craft fairs for so oh, many years that it was like let's not do that let's just stick with the flowers so we decided let's split the business in half and i was like okay you do the farming side so he'll do all my tropicals he'll do all the kalo all the animals um all the runaround and then my job would be to handle the store talk to the customers take the orders do the flower side um, do the jams, do the butter. Like it was just, we just started doing everything, wow. and um, it just continued. And so, in the beginning, it was super slow. We were still trying to figure out how we're going to do this. My boys were like, okay, he was still in high school at the time, the older one. So he's like, um, I'm going to help you set up before school and after school, wow. and then senior year, he only had one class, so he would set up the store go to class and come back and work the store so and awesome. now he's the face of the store yeah so everybody knows jovid you know they're like oh yeah they love joe so um it was difficult though and then we um then we set up our barn store our barn room for um classes so a lot of people who did like the monat or um yeah or whatever it was just they would use the space and we'd set it up for them to do their meetings yeah. or have their little girl things or whatever they're doing. Yeah. And then um, we did a lot of workshops. So we would do haku classes, lepo'o classes, um, lei classes. My sons would do, um, they make the coconut bags and coconut hats, that okay. kind of thing. So we would do classes on that. And um, it was fun. It was, it was a lot of fun, but a lot of hard work and a yeah. lot of stress. And then we became known, like so many people started coming. And it was a little crazy. So my friends were like, okay, let's start hiring people. So we brought in a small crew of people, and it was going really, really good. We were taking all these orders for the upcoming year, not knowing there's going to be a pandemic to slap us in the face. Oh, I see, I see. So we took all these orders, and it was great. And then all of a sudden, the pandemic hit. Boom, shut down completely. Oh, my God. So we were considered essential because we had food and I see. Oh, okay. So they deemed us essential. Um, meaning we could be open for one day, a curbside pickup, nobody in the store. Aww. It became this weird thing for three months that we did on Wednesdays, and it was so stressful. So my kids would go, and they would pick flowers, and um, we'd make little bouquets and give them to the customers. Because, oh, cool. I mean, appreciation. Yeah. We had no idea what was going to happen. Yeah. We were like, okay, what do we do? And then um, talking with A&B, we were like, we thought they were going to help us. Uh-huh. And, you know, they were going to work with us. And by us, I mean all, all of the units over here. And it was one whole year of dealing with them. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to keep paying back everybody because they kept calling us. I mean, they're so angry. So that happened. And um, then I started talking to my flower friends. And they're like, what did you do about your, you know, your, um, all of your clients and your customers? And I was like, we refunded them all. Whoever asked, we refunded them all. You know, there was one, one girl and she had a medium sized wedding and she was the sweetest ever. And she ended up calling us. 
a few months back and she was like you know um i know i have my wedding was supposed to be in october and um there's all that money so i told she told us to hold on to it because we were gonna postpone her well they decided to get married anyway just something small and the half deposit that they put down for their flowers she was like i want you guys to have that she was the only one that was like i want you guys to keep that you know me and my husband we're good we have money we're fine please just keep it we love you guys and it was like didn't even know how to react to that so i said no i can't do that how about it just keep it as store credit you know okay so we ended up doing that with her but it was one of the first ones that actually made us feel like okay Somebody actually cares and they understand the situation because yeah. the rest, I mean, 38 events, it was just crazy. And so we went through that whole thing. I don't know how we navigated that whole year, but we did. It was a lot of work, a lot of stress. And I started getting like anxiety attacks and yeah. panic attacks and all these things happening. And um, then this past January, so one whole year of pandemic and then January, um, I got super sick oh. and nobody knew. We didn't tell anybody. We didn't say anything. Um, it was crazy. So I was out of the store for two months oh, wow. and nobody understood why they didn't yeah. know my son was like canceling things. And um, so, yeah, I got super sick and that's been a big deal for us. But it's been hard. So brick and mortars. Um, let's talk about that. I mean, totally different. It's, it's a it's a big deal. There's yeah. a crazy overhead, you know, and then there are Instagram businesses that do what we do right yeah. no overhead yeah. so they don't have to worry about that yeah. but then you know they see how we make things and then they're like oh it's pretty let me make those too and they don't got to worry about paying yeah. seven thousand a month you know and then it's like okay where do we sit in that where yeah. do we fall in that yeah it's been hard to basically keep the star you know yeah. it's like everybody is doing what we did before and um it's great they're doing you know what they got to do but we're like here sitting ducks yeah. So I don't know where that barn is basically going to go or Kupanaha products. We are not sure where it'll be down the line because, I mean, okay, well, there's still stores that are open that create stuff. Like, for an example, Workshop 28. Yeah. She um, she does everything. She does all her cutting. She does all her printing. She owns that entire warehouse. And, you know, she's trying to make a business for herself. Yeah. And then she supports everybody and everybody else she expects to support her back because she does it yeah and then instead they go and you know make their own mm. business similar to hers yeah but you know at least support your friends when your friends are doing something yeah just support them you don't need to do it because you think you can do it better yeah support them find something yeah. else to do go so yeah well that's my thing it's like i, I wouldn't want to do something someone else is doing because then that takes the uniqueness that I do it, you know, away. If everybody's doing it, it's not special anymore, how you said. Right, so it's right. like... But I don't think many people see it that way, oh, though. You know? Interesting. Yeah, I mean... Well, that's why, like, going back to... If you do it for the right reason and your why, like, if it's pure and, you know, good intentions, then I feel like you'll be successful at it. But if you're doing it just out of a, you know, oh, because I can do it better, or because look how much they're making, then right. it's like, that's not a right. good place to start. And we hear that anyways. a lot. We hear that a lot, though. They're like, "Oh, you so much money, so and so's making. Mm-hmm. Oh, we can do that too." And I'm like, "You know, it's it's just like, why though? Yeah. You, know? you yeah. have a job, you're fine. You yeah. lose no money. You know, you guys have a house, you have this. Like, mm-hmm. why why do you have to do it? Yeah, you know? just let them have it. Yeah. But some people, I just feel it's either spiteful or it's competition. Mm. You know, some people naturally have that competitiveness mm. in them. They they want to do better. They want to do more. And for most people that have businesses, 
it's not about money. We're not trying yeah. to make money. Because no, totally. I mean, but I do it for my kids. I don't right. do it for recognition. Right. I'm not doing it for likes. I'm not doing it for yeah. follows and shares. I'm not. I'm not doing that. I just. Totally. I'm a Hawaiian person. Yeah. Living for my kids in my hometown. Totally. You know? And I call Kailua my hometown because I've gone to all schools in Kailua. Mm. My family come from Kailua. Yeah. You know, my mom and dad, they're both from Kailua. Um, my dad's basically uh, Kaione Canoe Club is his mm-hmm. thing so Kailua Beach has been our stomping grounds our whole life and to be in Kailua it was a dream you know we we really wanted to be here I wanted to make a difference yeah. um, with the community with um, the old people you know that's awesome the old Kailua people yeah. that I grew up with they're not there's not many anymore I love having them here Awesome. We have so much old timers that come to our store Cute. more than anything else, and my kids, that's all their papas and grandmas. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's why we're here, though. But we're that's here that real that sense of community, and you're taking yeah. care of, you know, your kupuna and everything. We love, we love having them. Like, I mean, the stories that come out of them is just endless. Your values surrounding your business is what makes it special, and so it's the just, community. I'm really yeah. grateful for it, though. And it's crazy, though, because um, I would have expected Waimanalo to support us way more than they do. But surprisingly, it's Kailua. Interesting. I expected it to be Kailua High School as well, but it's Kalaheo. And I'm a Kailua High School person. So, I I mean, surprise everywhere, you know. But we have a lot of Westsiders that support us oh, more cool. than anything. Wow. I mean, they come from away and support us. We have people from Big Island, Japan, like all these other places that, um, that visit us more than just straight here. But Kailua keeps us afloat. Yeah, they really do. I mean, we've grown to love. I mean, genuinely, wholeheartedly love our customers. If we could give away everything to them, we would. We probably do, and they'd say it too. But you know, we literally love them. They um, they make us happy, and they just just the fact that they accept us here yeah. is makes all the difference. And it's fine. That's why I tell my kids all the time. I'm like, don't worry about what somebody else is doing because the people who love us. They're going to buy from us regardless yeah. of how you feel about so-and-so making mm. something like mommy or somebody else making something like daddy. Like, don't think like that because when you think like that, that's when you fail. Yeah. You know, I'm like, God provides, and we say that enough that they should understand that. Yeah. You know, God will never take away what's meant for you, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So as frustrating because we're human, right, yeah. as it gets, it's just, it's not worth it because yeah. in the end, God provides. You're yeah. still... You still have a beautiful home. You still get fed, you know. Mm-hmm. I wish this for everybody, though, honestly, you know, with their own talents and their own creativity. Mm-hmm. I wish everybody could experience being your own boss. Yeah. You know, because nobody wants to work for somebody else's no. dream. Yeah. Which is why it was hard for us to even hire people. Mm. Because how do you be their boss? That's true. How do you be anything but your friend, you know? Yeah. It's so hard because, yeah. I mean, we brought in people and we had a crew. And it was so difficult telling them what to do. To the point where you couldn't tell them anymore because it was so hard. Like, you don't want to be that person. Yeah. You did it wrong, you know? Yeah. So it was like, hey, just do it yourself already. That's another challenge. I do wish this for everybody. I wish everybody the opportunity to be able to take care of their own family. So yeah. that would be nice, you know, instead of working for someone yeah, else. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I, I just, I, I could never do it. Yeah. I'm grateful my mom pushed me to do what I do because, I mean, I've worked in some places and had bosses and oh my gosh never again would I do that and you know you get paid the bare minimum yeah so at the end it's like okay you just gave auntie like $300 that you made 
for them having to watch your kid, you know. Yeah. That was the biggest thing for me. I didn't want anybody to watch my kids. Yeah. Just don't trust anybody, mm-hmm. no matter what. Yeah. Nobody's going to watch your kids or take care of your kids. Totally. Like you. Yeah. Totally. That's why we chose to do that. And once we had the girls, it was like, nope, nobody's watching them. They're yeah. girls. So, I mean, mm-hmm. no different than a boy, but yeah. still, they're girls. Yeah. So, nobody's watching them. Yeah. But yeah, thank you so much oh, for yeah. sharing Thanks everything for and for being willing and opening your space to me. I mean, it's a perfect day. It was so meant because, <laughs> I mean, this was, like I said, my slow day. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah, that's so awesome. I loved everything. And I love learning so much from everybody I talk to. And I, I, I think I benefit the most. I'm like, I don't know if my interviewees are benefiting from it, but I just learned so much. And that alone just makes me so happy. But that's you a know? good thing, too, because then you're able to share that, too, when you speak with yeah. other people about yeah, yeah, other yeah. people's uh-huh, situations, uh-huh. you know? Yeah. And it's just humbling. The whole yeah. situation is. Because mm-hmm. people don't really see it. Like, you don't put totally. the ugly out there too yeah. much, you know? Yeah. And I really don't either. Yeah. My narrative is basically animals, plants, <laughs> flowers, you know? Yeah. I don't even put my kids on there anymore. Yeah. Before, I used to. Oh yeah, this was fun. Yeah, though. thank you so much. I appreciate you coming and yeah. sitting down and having a free time to do it. So. Yeah, thank you. But yeah, I hope you everything works out here. But for now, you 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 guys have um, regular store hours still. Well, it's not really somewhat. regular. Um, okay, so that's how we do this. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we're open from nine to two. Oh, okay. So we can still get home to oh, the farm. Okay. I know a lot of customers don't get it. They're like, no, they're that's awesome. Upset. But I got to do what I got to yeah, do. Yeah, so totally. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday is 9 to 2. Thursday, Friday is 9 to 4. Because that's what Kahlo, um, our Kahlo oh, fill-up okay. day is Thursday. So oh, okay. Thursday, Friday, we usually have Kahlo in. And then um, Saturday is 9 to 2 again. And then Sunday is our early day. So it's 9 to 12. Oh, okay, cool. So technically seven days yeah. a week. But, um, that's funny. We used to be open 9 to 6 <sighs> every day. It's a long day. I was like, why did you yeah, do that? I mean, totally. My kids didn't even get to see the sun. I know. It's so crazy. Thank you so much for watching this week's episode of the Collection Podcast. I hope you folks enjoyed the show. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. Leave a review. And don't forget that on Wednesday, the extended video interview will be posted on my YouTube channel. Take care and we'll see you folks next week. Thanks.